Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti. I have an amazing person with me today. Holly Hoffman was the last remaining member of the Espada tribe and the last woman standing on season 21 of CBS's hit reality show, Survivor Nicaragua. Through that experience and others throughout her life, Holly was inspired to share her message of survival. A professional motivational speaker and the author of Your Winner Within and Write Yourself a Note, Holly acknowledges that life is made up of challenges, and we are oftentimes faced with situations that seem insurmountable, but within each of us is an ability to focus our thoughts, emotions, and energy to succeed, if only we have the knowledge, tools, and discipline to do so. As a native of South Dakota, Holly's writing and speaking not only offer encouragement and optimism, but a roadmap for self-discovery and spiritual enlightenment. Readers and audience members alike walk away inspired to light the fire of successful living within themselves. Today, Holly is a member of the National Speakers Association and a recipient of the Certified Speaking Professional designation, and she travels across the country and internationally speaking to a wide variety of corporations, associations, universities, schools, and women's organizations. Holly inspires her audiences to take opportunities and focus on faith, attitude, determination, confidence, desire, and perseverance. Let's welcome Holly to the show. Hey, Matt. How are you? (laughs) I love that. Oh, that was such a fun surprise. You're the best. (laughs) I'm great. Welcome. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Very Uh, honored. I'm so excited for this conversation. We talked off camera for a bit, and my energy is rising. As we speak, so I'm ready to go. Okay. We're both type A personalities, so this will not be a boring interview. I just know it. <laughs> that is 100% true. Okay, we want to get to the survivor part. I want to hear about that. But before we get there, can you give us a little background on who Holly was prior to Survivor? Absolutely. I... I was raised in a very, very small town, 850 people, <laughs> uh, didn't do a lot of traveling, didn't do a lot of you know, adventures or anything. Uh, I taught swimming lessons for 15 years. I was a swim coach for 17 years, wow. have three amazing children, uh, five wonderful grandchildren, and I just decided that I'm going to apply to be on Survivor one day. It was just off the cuff. I was sitting at home and I looked at Charlie and I said, I'm going to apply to be on Survivor. And he's like, you're going to what? <laughs> and I put this video together and I thought, I'll just send it in. They're never going to call me back. So I was a, a stay-at-home mom, did the swim coach thing, and um, they called me. So it was, it was a total shock. <laughs> okay, so they called you. So let's, 
did you, when you're, before you apply to Survivor, did you, were you confident? It's pretty obvious you're confident now. You're outgoing. Were you this way before? Did you have big lofty goals before or, or no? You know, I, I started the swim team on my own. So I, I, we didn't have a swim team in our community. I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was like really, really confident. I always kind of felt like I, I had to have somebody beside me. It wasn't that I be, I became more independent by definitely by playing survivor, but I always had that support system with me or surrounding me. And then when I went and played survivor, I had to find that support system within myself. So I kind of learned the, the whole mindset and what it takes to just kind of continue to go forward. So it did change my life in a good way. But, you know, it's, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my, my life. But one of the most rewarding things I've also done in my life. And isn't that life? Sometimes we find that the hardest things we do in life, it's the biggest lesson we learn or the most rewarding. I love that. I think that's yeah. so, so, so true. Okay, so I'm actually laughing because you're saying playing Survivor. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's, it's a game, but I guess it is. Uh, yeah. So give us the story. So you send in this video. Go for it. I'm excited to hear. And I got a call, and I thought one of my friends was playing a joke on me. <laughs> so this gentleman leaves this message, this voicemail, and says, you know, this is a casting director. I deleted the call. I was like, <laughs> they're never going to call me, you know. <laughs> and he called back in two days, and I made the finals. They flew me to L.A. I had to go through a casting call, which lasted a week. Wow. But if you were eliminated from the casting call, they sent you home. Well, I just kept going and going and going in. I'm like, and let me just tell you something. I hate camping, okay? <laughs> I am not much of a camper. Deathly afraid of snakes. And I just kept thinking to myself, I have a feeling I'm going to make it on the show. And I've heard of people, like, having to apply many times. And we had one lady on our season. She applied 17 times. Oh uh, yeah, there was another gentleman on our season applied eight and I made it the entire week and they sent me home and I found out the middle of April that I made it and then I was leaving the, the beginning of June. So I basically had like six weeks to prepare to be gone for two months. The day before I was to leave, I was going to back out because I thought there's no way I can do this. They drop you off in a jungle. I can't do this, try to make it th for 39 days. And something inside of me kept saying, you have to do this. You have to do this. I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. And there was a reason. There was a reason. So I got there and I, there I was. Yeah. Wait, this is, wait, wait, before we go to you getting there, what, what kind of stuff happens during the interview process or the, when you went out to the West coast? You're, you're confined to your room and then they would call you and they'd say, you know, come up to room, whatever, and then you'd have to do an interview. You, I had to take a personality test, an IQ test, a physical fitness test. Um, I had to meet with counselors and take a psychiatric test. They, they woke us up one morning at 3.30 in the morning, and we had three minutes to get down to the front lobby. We had to run seven flights of stairs. We had to put puzzles together. So I think what they do is they mentally and physically try to break you down because if you can't last a week in a hotel room, you're never going to last 39 days in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. So yeah. as all this crazy, it sounds like Navy SEAL training, as all this crazy yeah. 
fuck is happening? Are you, is it exciting for you? Are you freaking out? Are you nervous? Are you like, what were you feeling? I was actually, I was, I was nervous, but at the same time I thought I'm just going to do what they tell me to do and just see what happens. <laughs> and when I left there in the back of my mind, for some reason, because the last thing we had to do was we had to go interview in front of 25 executive producers of CBS and the president of CBS. And I walked into the room and I just remember I was just sweating. And I just thought, I'm just going to be myself. This is who I am. I'm not going to change. I'm just going to answer their questions. And they just kept blasting these questions at me. And I walked out and I got back on the plane the next day. And I just, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I think I'm going to make this show. I think I'm going to make it on the show. So, yeah. So the interview is very intense. They, they definitely want to see what they, what you're made of. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like, I mean, 25 executives, yeah. you're talking about the big wigs and you. Oh yeah. And I was, I was intimidated. There were a couple people that, you know, asked me some questions where it was very intimidating. Okay, so now you get called. You're you're going to be on the show. It's the day before. Before we get to that, was how was your support? I mean, were, was anybody saying, "Why would you do this? This is stupid," or Actually, were most people no. supported? Most people supported me when I wanted to back out. My family supported me. See, I couldn't tell a lot. I could I could tell my my family, but you have to sign a five million dollar contract. Oh. That if you if you leak any information out when you come back from filming, you CBS can sue you for five million dollars. Oh man! So you have to you have to sign all these disclosures and all this, and so does your family. So I had to make up a story and tell my friends where I was going. I was coaching. I was coaching a swim team at that time. I had to tell my swim team a lie. <laughs> so I had to make make something up where I was going. I'm going, I'll see you in 40 days. I'm just like. I told him I, told him I was going on a mission trip. <laughs> well, you were, you kind of. No, were. I was. And then, and they kind of, it's a very, it was a very small town. So of course, when I got back and I looked horrible, I was down 22 pounds. Oh my um, God. Yeah. They were all like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> wait a second. Mission trip. Yeah. <laughs> it was a mission. All right. Believe me. So. Yeah, it's, it's, that's also intense. They don't want you to leak anything out. I'm so, sure. But I did. I did have a lot of support going. I really did. Oh, that's awesome. So, so take, yeah. us to, take us to the night before. What was going through your mind? And well, they, to go? they flew me to Miami. I was confined to my room. They came in and they took away my cell phone. I didn't have a, 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 a phone in my room. I was left alone. And you get up the next morning, they flew, flew us over to Nicaragua. And when you see Survivor, like Jeff Probst, who's the host of the show, he says, you know, come on in, guys. And it looks like they just dropped those people off. No, we were there six nights at this. It was actually a really nice resort. But we had to sleep in these little tiny individual tents because we couldn't talk to anyone. We couldn't look at anyone. And then... Um, what happened was then the seventh day they woke us up and then we started playing the game. So we were actually there six nights before we started playing on day seven. And I, I talked to other survivors and sometimes they're there for seven to eight days. We were there six nights and started on the seventh day. 
Wow. But the morning we woke up and they said it was time to play the game, they, you know, they took us out in these vans and they drop you off. And they, of course, they mic you and then they drop you off. And I just remember walking onto the beach and there stands Jeff Probes. And I'm like, this is really happening. I am on Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there were some other, I mean, there were some big names on with you, right? Yeah. Um, Coach Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, the former NFL football coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, when we were there the six nights before we started playing the game, you can't talk to anyone. You know, you're at that resort before you start playing, and you can't talk to anybody. And he kept walking around. You know, we're, we're all together, but you're not supposed to look at anyone or talk to him. And he kept walking around. I kept thinking in my mind, where have I seen that guy? I know I've seen that guy somewhere. I just know it. And then all of a sudden, we'd get out to the jungle, and one of the other players, Marty, goes, Jimmy Johnson's on our tribe. And I went, that's who it is. <laughs> Every guy's like, Jimmy Johnson. I felt a little dumb, you know, yeah. right away. I'm like, Jimmy Johnson? But well, he's a huge Survivor fan. Huge. Oh, is he? Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe Jimmy Johnson feels dumb for not knowing who Holly Hoffman is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so – my limited knowledge of Survivor is before you, it was like, okay, it looks like they're really treating these people this way, but it's just for TV. Like, they're not really doing this. Is, give us the, is it real? My mindset was the same way. Um, they said, when we were at all the interviews in LA, they said, now this is real. You know, this is the real deal. Well, I was like, yeah, right. Because I watched Survivor. <laughs> So I had this vision in my mind that I was going to walk out there and I would see porta potties and campers and tents and <laughs> you film for six hours and maybe they give you a cup of coffee and a donut. Uh, you know, it's pouring rain and they say, okay, come over here and sleep in a camper overnight. No. <laughs> and I got out there and I went, this is the real deal. <laughs> No toilet paper, toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, blankets, pillows. I had the clothes on my back, a water bottle, a bag, a swimsuit, pair of shoes, um, and that was it. And you have to try to survive for 30, 39 days. So it is, it's the absolute real deal. And that's why I think right away my mindset was off. Because <laughs> I had this vision what it was going to be like. And I got out there and it was the complete opposite. So I use that when I speak to say, doesn't that happen in life? In life, you walk into a, a team meeting at the office and you think the meeting's going to go one way and you get in there and the, it's completely flipped and you walk out and what is your mindset? What happens to your mindset? That's a yeah. great point. You're right. And did you know it was 39 days? Did you know that up front or was it? Yes. Last? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they said, and then here's another thing. You vote someone off every three days. So if you're the first one voted off on day three, six, nine, you can't go home. <laughs> you have to sit there at location for the entire two months of filming. And that you had to sign in the contract as well. So if I would have been the first one voted off, I'd have had to sit there and wait until they're all done filming. And then, and then they fly you back home without a cell phone or a computer. Oh my goodness. This is yeah. So what's, give us something, give us a story of something that happened that you, maybe you excelled, maybe you were surprised, like what's the, give us a fun story while you're over there. 
Well, I did not excel right away. I struggled. <laughs> okay. Cause I, um, first three nights we did not sleep. And when you're at the casting call, you take the, all these tests. So they study these tests and there's all these different personalities, all these people from all walks of life with all these different personalities. You take them, you throw them in the middle of the jungle, they're sleep deprived and you're starving. <laughs> you know what happens? Drama. <laughs> so there was a gentleman that I just, I, I struggled with him and I try my best. I, I, I try to accept everyone for who they are, but he just, he, you know, now we get along. I mean, don't get me wrong, but during the game, he just got under my skin and it was mainly because he had, he had a lot of money and he was out there bragging about, you know, what he was wearing and how much it cost. You know, to me, things don't have a price tag. Um, and he just started making fun of me. And he had a pair of, it was, this was on day five, day five. <laughs> he, had, he had a pair of alligator shoes and they were $1,600. And I stole them out of his bag and I, bare, I filled them with sand and I threw them in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very mean about it. And I, and I was like, okay, you New York big city slicker guy or whatever I said. I'm like, yeah, I'll show you. And, and what I did is I let his words make me act out. And how many times do we do that in life? We let someone else's words affect our actions. And then you look back at it and you go, wait a minute. The only person that it, this is really affecting is me. And I, I remember thinking, I just stole a pair of $1,600 pair of alligator shoes. I destroyed them. I sunk them in the, in the ocean. Um, this is probably going to be on national television. And I, uh, yeah, I have a swim team and three children. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not Was it on that? Did they, did they show it? Yes, they did. <laughs> and, then, and then after they showed it, they also, after I confessed to doing it, I apologized and they showed me apologizing. But after I confessed to doing it, they interviewed some of the people on our tribe. And when they do the interviews, they take them off. And, you know, of course, people were saying, you know, Holly seems like a nice person, but I think she's mentally, there's something wrong with her. She seems more wacko or nuts. And I'm like, this is not good. This is oh, no. not good. Oh, no. So, I mean, you're off to a rough start. I mean, no. how do you... How do you make it as long as you did when it sounds like in the beginning well, you were in trouble? That's when I reached out to someone. And that's when I pulled Jimmy Johnson aside and I said, I need to talk to you. And he and I walked over on, and we sat on this log and I, I show the clip when I speak. And he just said, you know, we really need you. And, you know, I tell my football players, you're going to regret quitting if you quit. And, it was truly his words that it just like the light bulb went on. And I'm like, you know what? He is so correct. He is so right. Wow. And I know, you know how someone just says a few words and you go, wow. But you also have to be willing to listen to those words and not just go, no, this is, this is not me. This is you. No, this, this was me. And that's when I, I, I thanked him and I gave him a big hug and I, I just remember getting up off that log and it was like, okay, I signed up for this. I need to do it. I am not a quitter. So 
that was that was the turning point for me. I just I just thought I can do this, and I had to change my attitude. So that yeah. one conversation, you give a lot of credit for changing the rest of the complete. complete. So now you're you're starting to I guess befriend people, and you're humming along pretty good. What happens? towards the end, what happens at the end? Cause I, I don't really know the exact story. Yeah, well, I made the merge, you know, there's two tribes and then on day 19 we merged. Okay. When I made the merge, that was kind of my goal is to make the merge before I left to go play. But I made it to the final four. <laughs> I was the last woman in the game and the last member of our tribe. And I was left with three young gentlemen. Uh, I was in a very tight alliance with two of them and the three of us decided we were going to the final three and we were going to vote off uh, Fabio. Well, we went to the last challenge and Fabio won the challenge. So he got the individual immunity necklace. He was automatically in the final three and here we were. I did not expect one of the gentlemen to vote me off. I thought it was going to be a tie and I'd have to do a fire building challenge. And so I was the last one voted off. Uh, but you know what? I, I can really say this from the bottom of my heart. I remember walking out of tribal council on day 38 and thinking I have just learned more about myself in 38 days than I have learned for 45 years of my life. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just what this story is just. So, yeah, it, because you do when everything is taken away from you. What do you learn about yourself? Just like the pandemic. Things have been taken away from us. You know, we can't go to the movie theaters. We can't go to restaurants. How are you personally reacting to that? How are you reacting to working at home? How are you reacting to homeschooling your children? How, how are you truly surviving when things are being taken away? I'm, I'm glad you brought it up that way because I was going to ask you, being on Survivor and doing what you did, does that, I don't want to say easy, but does it make it easier to deal with setbacks, uh, COVID-19, something that should happen in your life. Does it, yeah. is it like, can you smack adversity in the face? <laughs> yeah, I can. And it's a choice. You know, you have those choices. Life is a choice. And you can either go down one way or you can, you can go down the other. And the choice is yours. So I, I remember I walked off stage March 11th. And I was driving back from a presentation and I had five more speeches in March. I had 13 in April and, you know, the emails were rolling in. We've, we've got to talk. We've got to either reschedule, cancel, go to next year. And I sat and I just went, this is not good. <laughs> and, but I also had a choice. I could just sit at my desk and do nothing and just cry and be upset and mad. But where would have that gotten me? You know, was I concerned about my career and my job? Yeah, but we all are right there, right? And I just had to say, okay, I need to do what the best is. I need to go back to the survival mode and say, how did you get through it then? And that's, that's where I am at. That's truly where I'm at. I love that. And this is just, it's amazing how much you can learn from 39 days of your yeah, life. You can. It's, yeah. And you've, you know, now I, I always kind of, when I heard people say, when they've gone to like a retreat and in two weeks and 14 days and they'll say, Oh, that 14 days totally changed my life. And I remember before I went on survivor thinking, how can 14 days change somebody's life? <laughs> I now I understand. Yeah. That's a great point. And yeah. this is just, the whole story is amazing. Yeah. I mean, for those of you that don't know, Holly 
is a motivational speaker. You got to go to her website. Is it hollyhoffman.com? Yes, yes. Uh She has YouTube clips. You will be more energized after you watch them, I promise. So how does it... How does it happen? You, you end up doing great in Survivor. In my head, it's like, do you come back home and then boom, you're in the speaking world? Or how did you make that transition? And did you know you, you wanted to go that route? No idea. I absolutely no idea I was going to be a speaker. That's great. I, I came home, of course, you film the show and then you go home and watch it. So what I decided to do is every Wednesday night, I had a Survivor gathering somewhere and I traveled throughout the state and I turned it into a fundraiser. Oh, wow. And our charity event, our charity for our season was Stand Up to Cancer. Um, it was, you know, for cancer research. So every Wednesday night, I would go, you know, I traveled to Rapid City. I went to Sioux Falls. And people would come to restaurants. or And, and we'd watch Survivor together. And I'd answer questions. And um, ended up uh, raising $10,000. Wow, so I gave, at the end of the season, I gave $10,000 to stand up for, for cancer, for cancer research. But I wanted, it was a way to give back, but it wasn't for me. It was from the state of South Dakota. And that's what I wanted people to make sure that this was, this was the people of South Dakota that did this for me. I mean, my, my hometown put on this huge fundraiser. Wow. Yeah, so, um, and then the show was over and I had a lady reach out to me uh, and say, you know, would you come to our Kiwanis Club? Um, January 8th, I think it was, some beginning of January, and would you be willing to speak to our Kiwanis Club? And I said, you know what? I would love to speak to your Kiwanis Club. And I hung the phone up, and I'm like, what am I going to say to their Kiwanis Club? What do they want me to talk about? <laughs> so, of course, when it got a little closer, I called her, and I said, you know, what would you like for me to talk about? She goes, just talk about your survivor experience. Showed up, stood in front of everybody, talked. Didn't have a PowerPoint, didn't have an outline. I just talked. And after that, three people came up to me and said, would you be willing to come to this event? Would you be willing? And I kind of expected it to just kind of last maybe six months, six, seven months, and then kind of fade away. But I had a story to tell you know, how Survivor really, really changed my life. And I didn't talk about that story right away because I was too worried about how people were going to judge me, what mm-hmm. people were going to say about me. You know, here I am on a, a, a reality show and I'm on national television, but you know what? I'm real. I'm human like everyone else. So I wrote a book about it and I put it in my book. Um, I was raised in an abusive alcoholic family. Oh, wow. My, my father was very abusive. Um, my father passed away at the young age of 46 years old from alcoholism. I was a, a high school athlete, state champion my sophomore year. Um, I held a state record for 13 years. But what I didn't know until my junior year of the finals of the state track meet is my dad was betting on me. And oh I, I found that out just as I was about ready to run the 100 meter hurdles. Uh, the finals, and I was going to jump the gun, I was going to trip and fall. And I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to get over these hurdles. And I need to finish this race for my team. And I finished and I, I set a state record, I got first place, but I always lived my life kind of behind a closed door. As a child, I would sit in my room with the door tightly closed, and I would just pray for it to stop. Wow. You know, the fighting, the yelling, the screaming, the hitting, and that, that went with me 
into my adulthood. You know, I always had a fear of darkness and I always had a fear of people yelling. And I always felt like I lived behind this door. And uh, day 33, um, I, I walked off from camp and I was just sitting in a jungle and with the clothes on my back. And I just, I just remember looking up into the sky and thinking, you know, God, you've got to, you've got to help me stop living my life behind a door. Wow. Yeah. And so that was probably the biggest lesson I learned from the show is that no matter how life hard, how hard life is, you've got to grab that doorknob and you've got to turn the knob and walk through it and close it behind you. So I, I did not have a very good upbringing. It was, I do not have very many good childhood memories and running to, for me was kind of a way to release all that, that anger that I had, but I carried it for a long time and I had to get rid of it. That's so a, wow. I couldn't speak about it. I, I just, because I here again, I was just worried about how are people going to judge me? What are they going to say about me? And ever since I, decided to get on stage and tell my story because I do tell a few other stories about my childhood. Um, that's when my speaking really turned around. When you because, start opening, opening up completely? Yeah, because I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. You yeah. know, I am no better than anyone else because I was on a reality show or I'm, you know, I, I have stuff. We all have stuff. And sometimes dealing with that stuff is what we need to do. Yeah. And I remember the first time I got on stage and I'm like, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to get it in there and I'm going to talk about it. And I got to day 33 and I talked about, I started talking about, I couldn't do it. And so I just said a little bit and I stopped, you know, and then every time I would go, just before I'd go on stage, I would pray and I'd say, okay, just give me strength to do this. And it always got a little bit better. And what I really noticed is how many people started reaching out to me and saying, I grew up the same way you did. Or my dad was an alcoholic. So when you think you're alone and you're the only person, you're not. That is, that is, I didn't know any of that. That is, wow. Yeah. wow. That's yeah. what, what do you think made the difference? Because, I mean, as you said, there's been a lot of people that have been in tough homes growing up. And some choose, if maybe if they have an alcoholic parent, to be an alcoholic because that's the way their parents were. How did you make the decision of, I don't want to be like this man, I want to go in a different direction. Or did you go down a wrong path and have to switch it at some point? Um, I was on a, I was on a, um, a college scholarship. Uh, my freshman year, I did get a college scholarship and I did start going down a wrong path. I, I started getting away from my, my, the athletes of my team. And I started, you know, uh, I, I was never really into drugs, but I started partying and drinking. And I, I remember thinking, how angry my dad would get when he drank and how mean and physical he was with my father. And I'm like, I am not going to be that person. I'm not going to turn into my dad. And so, yeah, I've heard people ask me that a lot of times about how, how you decided to make the right choice and go, I am not going down that path. And I have two brothers, older brothers, they're the same way. They are not into drugs. They're not into alcohol. Um, one of my, my brother and I, one of my brothers, he, we're 10 months apart, you know, and, um, he's got his masters in teaching. The other one's a teacher. And I also think it was a close knit of my brothers of always looking out for me. And my mom, my mom is the strongest person I've ever known in my life. And 
I say that in my speech. I'm not the true survivor. Wow. I'm giving you some of the credit, but uh, that's yeah. awesome. No, my mom has to have a lot of the credit because <laughs> she worked three jobs, you know, to raise three wow. kids. Um, you know, there were nights where there were months where we had no money left and we'd sit at the table and we'd have a bowl of cereal for dinner, you know, but the one thing she, she never ever complained. She just kept pushing forward. And I also needed to remember that as well, that when life gets tough, look at what my mom had yeah. and she never gave up. These stories are just, I mean, I've talked to you a bunch of times. This is, this is unbelievable. I didn't know a lot of this at all. Plus I didn't know it proves how humble you are because I, I couldn't get out of you that you set this state record. You wouldn't even <laughs> you know, I had to take this recording to get that out of you. <laughs> so, well, you know, I am, I'm human just like everybody else. We all have stuff, you know, um, some of these, some people come off of reality shows and they, it changes them in a good way, a better way. And some, it doesn't. And you, again, it's, it's a choice. It's yeah. a total choice. What you want to do with your life. I, I, and I also think it's how the people you surround yourself with. I've, I've, had to, I've had to get rid of some people in my life because they're too negative. And instead of, I shouldn't say get rid of them, I've kind of had to distance myself, but I still pray for those people because that's what you're supposed to do. But you can't be around people that are just going to knock you down and pull you down and... I did lose some friends from going on this show, you know, because I, my life started to change. Here I was traveling around the United States and I had this great job. And, but you know, as a speaker, it's hard. <laughs> you know, you get on stage and you may be in a bad mood and you may just, you're, or you, you may have had a long travel day and, you know, but you gotta remember why you're there. It's not because of you, it's because of the people in the audience. It's and, so, so yeah. true. Uh, this is, I, I love how you're just telling the whole story because I'm, I'm getting talking too much. I'm a talker. <laughs> this is the whole point. I, we want to hear the story. This is incredible. So you, I know this, uh, hopefully a lot of people will check out your website. You're an unbelievably powerful speaker. I've yet to see you live, but I hope that happens in the future. Well, we're going to, it's going to happen. We're going to make happen. it happen. We're going to make it happen. You got that straight. Have, have you... We got the beginning, you, you were telling your story to the Kiwanis Club. Have you always felt comfortable in front of large groups? Because we all know the number one fear in humans is public speaking, and number two is death. So have you, have you just been able to tell that story, no matter if there's one person or 500 people? Well, before I answer your question, I do want to say that you are also a phenomenal speaker. I've watched your clips as well. You have the energy in front of people. Um, you grab their attention. The, the, the entire time so you're you're a wonderful speaker as well but well, thank you holly we're talking I, about you. my we're talking smallest about crowd what's that so we're talking about you now we're going back <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> my smallest crowd has been three people wow and my largest crowd has been 20 20 about right around 2500 people <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have three people or if you have 2500 people you have to be powerful at your story and whether you touch one person in the room or you touch 200 people in the room, it's not about you being on stage. It's about the person sitting in the chair because you don't know what that person is going through. Have I always felt comfortable in front of people? I've been doing this for 11 years. I still get extremely nervous. <laughs> I say a prayer before I get on the stage every single time. 
I, my mouth gets dry. I have to remind myself that why I'm here. I think once I stop getting nervous, it's time for me to quit oh. or time for me to retire, not quit. I'm not a quitter. Time to, for me to retire. So I still get very, very nervous in front of people. But, you know, I just get up and I tell my story because, like I said, I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. And I had a story to tell, but I had to discover that story before I told the story. See, that's well said. You're, you just put these sentences together so well. I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. So, so you, it seems to me like you are living your true purpose. It's just obvious to me that this is what you were put on the planet to do. Hopefully you feel the same way. Is it, what do you feel your purpose is? And if you have any ideas on how can somebody potentially find theirs? Cause it seems like you found yours. You have to be able, you cannot let fear in life hold you back. The biggest thing that stops people from discovering who they are is fear, fear of the unknown. And that's why I almost backed out the day before I was supposed to leave and it was because of fear. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I didn't believe in myself. Um, you know, taking an opportunity and saying, you know what, this is not for me, that's not failure. If you try something and you fail, it's about getting back up, uh, learning the lesson and saying, how can I make myself a better person instead of make, taking an opportunity and making it turning into being a, a, a worse person. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to, I'm not going to be afraid to do this. And just, you can't be, you can't be fearful of things. Yeah. So that I think that's for me was a, a big thing is just facing my fear and saying, okay, I can do this and not letting other people turn you into someone you're not because look what I did to Dan. You know, he was kind of talking words to me, being mean. And then I lashed out at him and you know, what did it do to me? It didn't, it made me look like a fool on national television. <laughs> Is that so, you talk about this in your speeches getting over fears. Is that a big yeah. part of it? Yep. Fear of the unknown. It's the biggest thing that holds people back. And I think when all, when all, if, do I believe that this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing? Yes. But if this ends and there's another thing I'm supposed to be doing, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to just keep going. I'm also a true believer on one day at a time. Oh, you know, yeah. We as humans, we, we stress too much on, you know, what's going to happen in the next three weeks? What's going to happen? In, and you got to be worried about those things, but you also got to be think about one day at a time. One day at a time. I like that. So, yeah. I, like that. I, I learned, I'd never forget a Dale Carnegie course. And he said, yeah. live in day tight compartments. And I, I never really understood that until years yeah. later. But now I'm, I'm getting it. I'm starting to yeah. learn. Well, and that's what Survivor was. One second at a time to get to the end of that game. And that's kind of how life is. You know, we, we, we dwell a little too much. We, and I do it too. I, sometimes I stand on stage and I'm like, okay, I need to hear myself today, you know, but we're all human. And that's the biggest thing I want people to know about me when I get on stage is I am human just like you. I would bet that helps people connect with you. Boom. Like in a second, you just seem so real. I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. I well, do want to know 
like when you wake up in the morning, is it just this energy like boom? Is it is it right away or does it take you 20 minutes to get geared um, up? No, I am up and go. I that's just how I am. I I have a cup of coffee, I'm ready to go exercise. I'm just I I'm learning. You know, this pandemic has been very hard on a lot of people, a lot of families. Um I, don't take me wrong when I say this, but it, it's been it's been hard on my career. I, I it's been, but for me personally, it's been okay. It's taught me to, you know, how to Holly just sit in the chair for a while. Uh, I've watched the entire series of Breaking Bad. I've watched <laughs> the entire series of I watched Tiger King. I, I, I hear about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I I've never been a much of a to watch television. Um, so I've learned to take more, a little more time for myself. So, I, but I am very high energy. I, that's just who I am. I've always been like that. That, that's, that's why I have to do something. I have to run. I have to swim. I have to walk, uh, just to kind of release some of that energy. That's just my personality. I, I mean, that's perfect. I, I was thinking about how health plays into all this, as you know, like I'm a health nut. I love talking about it. You're clearly an extremely healthy person with your career and after this pandemic is over and you're back on the road and everything, how important is health to you? And have you always been healthy or has this been something you've struggled with? Well, I was an athlete in high school. Right. You know, went to college and I ran, but I, I did struggle with this. Before I went on Survivor, I lost 40 pounds. Wow. Because what I was doing was I was just eating whatever I could, you know, and you get older and you're like, oh, this is going different places. And my daughter won Miss South Dakota and she was on her way to the Miss America pageant. Oh and I looked at pictures from that evening that she won. And I remember looking at pictures and going, ooh, I don't like myself. I don't like the way I look, I, I'm gaining weight. So I had to change my, my lifestyle. Many times people think that you go on a diet, and then you wonder why you gain the weight. It's a, it's a lifestyle change. And so that's what I do. I, and then when I did get into speaking, I did the same thing. You know, I'd go through the airport and i go, oh, that looks really good. I probably shouldn't <laughs> And then you're traveling late at night and you've, you've, you've missed dinner, so you just go eat junk food. So I've learned, again, I kind of had to pull myself back. And I've learned, again, that when I start traveling, I grab the banana uh, look for an apple, you know, not the Snickers or the Reese's. So yeah, I, I have to remember to do that and exercise. You have to, whether it's waking up 30 minutes early, earlier or at night, you just, you have, it's all about balance. I think that's so true. Do you feel on days you exercise, can you feel it? Do you feel better? You feel you have hundred percent better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think that's so. I mean, you are a huge exercise. You know, I've seen your videos and you're doing the pull-ups and everything, and you're so energetic. And you, you're right. It, you have to agree, right? You just feel so much better. I absolutely agree. Right? Your day is complete. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people can even tell if I didn't work out that morning, I'm different. Like, I'm, I'm a different person. I just yeah. got to, yeah. like you said, 10, 15 minutes, right? That's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what's, what is next for Holly? And tell us a little bit, we talked about this off camera, but uh, – how you've pivoted in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's been hard for everyone. Um, financially, families. Um, I've heard some stories where I just want to, 
I'm just trying to stay as positive as I can. For me, that's what I'm doing. I, I've done some virtual presentations and, and it was an adjustment, but it's all about adapting. When I played the game of Survivor, I had to learn how to adapt. On day five, when I wanted to quit, and that's how life is. In life, you have a choice. You can either quit or you can learn to adapt and say, what do I need to do to keep going? And you can't just sit back and go, think it's going to come to you. You have to find that inside yourself to say, what do I need to do to make this better or continue to make this work? Uh, whether it's rescheduling my presentations to next year, working with the clients to meet their budget, working with the clients to do a virtual, that's what I'm doing. So I, I just kind of go one day at a time. I love it. And the, the never quit attitude that you have, you obviously have, is this a result of Survivor or do you think this was not born with you, but did you learn it when you were growing up? I think I, I learned it when I was growing up. I just didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was on Survivor and I had to, I, I wanted to quit, that's when I really, it really hit me. And then that's when I, it also hit me that, wow, my mom never gave up. I mean, we were very poor. I, we didn't have a car, you know, and, um, and then it wasn't until I was an adult and I was a parent myself, I realized what my mom did. And that, that was when it really hit me. So I, I always had it in me, but again, I had to realize it on my own. And you can tell people stuff. You can say, you know, my dad, we put him in a, a rehab twice and he walked out. So you can tell people, but they're the ones that have to do it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's just, yeah. it's almost like you write down all these answers. Like, you know exactly what to <laughs> say. It's just incredible. I, I, you know, my mom, my mom, when I was young, she always told me that, because I love to talk. My mom would always be like, okay, Holly, you know, eat your dinner, stop talking. So <laughs> she always said to me, you're going to do something someday. You're going to have, you're going to have a job with the gift of gab. And I am. How do, how do your parents know that? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We are so similar too because when my wife and I have dinner, when she's finished, I'm like a halfway done because I'm just yapping the entire time. You just have so much to say. <laughs> okay, so I'm on your website. I'm looking at the different keynote speeches you have. One of them caught my eye. It's called Write Yourself a Note. I just have to know. You give a little preview on the website, but can you tell us what that's all about? Because I don't know, and I'm fascinated to figure it out. It just popped into my mind. I was in California speaking, and I was speaking to a group of construction workers, um, 800 women, <laughs> and I just felt like I just didn't something I couldn't I wasn't connecting the way I should have. And at the end of the presentation, I said, "Okay, everyone, I want everyone to get out a piece of paper and a pen, and we're going to write ourselves a note." And I went, "Wow." <laughs> this so they did and then I asked them if they wanted to keep their note on their chair it was a goal with their with their name their their email their cell phone number um, and then I said it, after I left that presentation I started reading some of their comments and I thought gosh the importance of writing things down we all have sticky notes I am a total list person how do you feel when you make, have a list and you, you finalize that list? It's such a self, you're accomplished something, but your list can also cause a lot of stress. Once again, balance. So I talk about that. Um, I talk about the value of three things happening when we write things down. 
we think about them, we write them down, and we reread what we wrote down. So we've recorded that three times in our brain. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do at the end of each chapter of this book, is you read the chapter and whatever I'm talking about in the book, I, I have a couple blank pages in the back, and then you have to write yourself a note. So it's self-improvement as well as, oh, maybe I need to start thinking about what I'm fearful of or how I need to take an opportunity. And an opportunity doesn't mean you have to go and apply to be on a, on a reality show. <laughs> you know, an opportunity can be like, you know, I've always wanted to take piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And I had a lady come up to me one time after a presentation and she said, I've always wanted to take piano lessons, but I'm 67 years old. I can't take. And I looked at her and I said, you are never too old to take piano lessons. Mm. Weeks later, I got an email and she said, I started piano lessons. So, oh you know, goodness. one little thing in my book may just inspire you to do something. So I talk about that in my presentation. Plus, I'm, I love to journal. Um, my safety valve was my room, you know, that's where I hid, but I always had a diary. I always wrote things down. I wrote a lot of my emotions, my feelings down. So love technology. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes we need to just put those cell phones down and write a letter to ourselves and I, see what happens. I love it. I'm writing down what you're saying. I, yeah. <laughs> I have, when you write something down, you think about them, you write them down and then you reread it. You reread it. Yeah. So you record it three times in your brain. You know, you have to think about what are you going to write down. If I say to you, what's a goal? You have to think about that goal. Then you have to write it down and then you have to reread it. So you put that in your brain three times. So, you know, three times is, is hopefully you're going to re reach that goal. You're yeah. just it in your head. That's such, a, that's such a great idea. I also... It inspires me to be able to read my own handwriting a little bit better. So I, I'll work on that too. <laughs> I've done the same thing. There's some mornings I get up and I journal and then I go back and I'm like, what did I just say? But I have so much on my mind that I have to write so fast. So it does get a little scribbling. <laughs> Good. I'm not alone. I appreciate it. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, this is, you're just an amazing human being. I'm so blessed that you came on. We have this thing at the end. It's called the power five. So it's five rapid fire questions if you can i mean i know it's tough to keep them short but see if you can answer in like a couple sentences because that's going to be a challenge i think for anybody not just the okay. talker that you are okay. <laughs> so, also i want to throw it out there these questions i try to ask myself these as much as i can i do it on the show which is a great reminder but anybody listening these are great questions to ask yourself and okay. the first one is how do you want to be remembered I want to be remembered as a person that was kind to others. I want to be remembered as um, someone that walked life trying to improve herself to the end, but kindness. I think the number one word is I want to remember me. I want people to remember me as a kind person. I love that. It's, it, had you, it's almost like you thought about that before. You, you knew. You I, know. Didn't. I, I didn't. You know, just, the, world, the world needs more kindness. I agree. You know, thanking people. We need to thank people more. We need to say thank you. We need to um, give people more compliments. Uh, the world has is lacking kindness right now. And we, need, we need to we need to be we need to be kind. I love how you said that because it's not some huge thing that we need to try to do. It's these little things. It sounds kindness. like yeah, yeah. kindness. Yeah. I love it. What's what are you most thankful for? It could be in business, in your personal life, anything. I'm most thankful for my family. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I have a great family. I love spending family time. 
never in a million years would I thought I, I people could would tell me what it was going to be like to be a nana. And I am, I would do anything for those grandchildren. Uh, uh, I let them do things that I would have never let my, my own children do. But <laughs> I, <laughs> so family, family's very important. I love it. And I can't believe you're a grandmother. You're probably the only 41 year old grandmother on the face of the planet. Oh, uh, wait a minute. You can add a few years to that. <laughs> Next question. Next question. <laughs> uh, okay. This is my favorite question on the whole thing. What is your go-to dance move? Does Holly Hoffman have a best dance move? <laughs> I really don't have a best dance move, but I will say this. I love to dance. <laughs> I love, love, love to dance. Um, I, don't, I don't, can't really say I have a favorite. Um, I don't. They're all good. They're all good. I just try to do my best and just keep the rhythm. You know, the rhythm is important on the dance floor. <laughs> I have a feeling nobody's surprised that you love to dance. I'm not surprised myself. <laughs> I do. I, I really, really like to dance. Yeah. So I'm not one that really, I, I, I dance like I speak. I just go off the cuff and just get out there and enjoy. I'm not, you know, people will say, what's your favorite type of music? I like all kinds of music. So, yeah, I just have to say, I think keeping the beat is the most important. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> What's been your biggest setback that you overcame or or that you are overcoming? You're working on right now. Well, you know, I besides Survivor, I think just the fact that I can do things on my own, that I, I'm an independent, I'm more of an independent person. And um, I struggle sometimes in my life with loneliness. And I had to come to a point in my life where I, I had to think to myself, you're never alone. You're, you're never, ever, ever alone. You know, God is always holding your hand and he's leading you and you need to get rid of that loneliness. So there was one point in my life where I felt very, very lonely. Wow. And even when I travel, I sometimes feel lonely, but you have to always remember. So I'd have to say just the fact sometimes of being lonely and getting over that feeling of loneliness. That's, I just have to ask a follow-up because I'm thinking about that. I mean, clearly yeah. during the quarantine and everything, I'm sure a lot of people have thought that. Is there anything that you can give it as an example of what you do to quickly try to overcome the loneliness? Yeah. A lot of Zooms. Yeah. You know, with your family, just call a friend, you know, or look at your call list, somebody that you haven't reached out to. I have reached out to classmates and I've, I've been talking to classmates that I have not talked to for years. And so just like the little simple things, um, I wrote a letter to a friend the other day and popped it in the mail. I haven't written a letter for years. So, you know, I mean, I write things down, but how, have you ever, how long has it been where you just dear someone and wrote a letter and put it in the mailbox? So, you know, you, there's always something that you can do to just kind of get over that feeling. I love it. That's, that's such a good idea. I hope everyone listens to this, including myself. I write a letter. Here's what I'll do. I'll write a letter to somebody and I'll text it to you. I'll prove it that I, that I listened. I did. That would be great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great feeling to just drop that letter in the mailbox. And it's also a great feeling for the person to get that letter and go, wow, this person took the time for me. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Such a, that's such a powerful idea. I'm definitely going to do that. Who, last one, who is your hero or heroes? My mom. 
<laughs> I added that. I, I mentioned that before. Uh, you know, people will, if someone sees me, you know, sometimes they forget my name and they go, oh yeah, you were that lady on Survivor. Uh, I took my kids, my grandkids swimming the other day and I was checking in and the lady looked at my name and that's what she said. She goes, were you that lady on Survivor? Wow. So sometimes I get the name of the lady on Survivor or the Survivor <laughs> lady, but the true Survivor lady is my mom because she's the hero. So there's all these different definitions of what a true survivor is. And you can say a survivor, but I think a true survivor is someone that thrives. Mm, I love it. Yeah. I, we got to get your mom on the show. I think we got to bring uh -oh. her. She's, she's actually traveled with me. Oh, I, wow. I've taken her. My mom is not a big traveler. And there's been some presentations where I, I've taken her with. And she'll sit in the back. And then at the end, I will say, or after I'm done talking about her, I'll say, and right now I would like to introduce you to that woman. Oh. And I have my mom stand up and she's, there was one time we were in Virginia and when my mom stood up, the audience stood up and they gave her, they gave her a standing ovation. Oh, wow. That, that was very like, I, I just stood there and I went, yeah. So there have been times where I've taken her with. That's so special to have her there and seeing her she's daughter. She's a wonderful woman. She That's really is. Oh, that's the perfect way to cap off the, the chat. This is so much fun. I can't thank you enough. I want to thank you. After people listen to this, obviously everyone's going to want to know how they can find you. How can they, is it social media? What's, what should they do? I'm on all social medias. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have um, a fan page, Facebook. Um, you can reach out to me on my, my website, hollyhoppin.com. The emails come right to me. They don't, Go to anyone else but me. A lot of times I tell people that in presentations. If you have a question, email me. I get them. So I love it when people reach out to me. I love talking to people, emailing people back. So those are the ways. Awesome. And what about if somebody wants to get your book? book? Uh, that is also on Amazon. Okay. And you can also order my book directly through me, through my website. Okay. There's a link on my website that says Order Holly's Book. Um, uh, I, I've been having some issues with Amazon. I think, I don't know if it's, uh, I, I need to get this figured out. So if you really want my book, just email me. Okay. My website. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to have some more people reaching out because this is the coolest part. I and mean, there's so many cool things about you, but we've talked on the phone off camera. You're the exact same person. Like you just don't, <laughs> you don't change. This is you. And it's so beautiful to see that. Yeah, so, and, and Matt, you're 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 a great person as well. We've talked, you know, like you said on the phone, and I love love your energy as well. <laughs> well, right back at you. So from yeah. now on, when we talk, we're doing Zoom calls so I can see your face and feel the energy because you're it's <laughs> addicting. It's pretty awesome. All right, thank well, thanks, Holly. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you're you. Welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much. Oh,